Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. You have reached the man cave over here in Redan, Georgia. want to thank you for listening in. Welcome to the show. Got a whole lot of sports stuff to talk about tonight. Got a little football, a little baseball. Basketball season started for you hoopsters. want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you whether or not you're listening live or if you're going to be listening on an archive episode at a later date, just want to thank you for taking the time to tune in, log on, and listen to what i got to say when it comes to the sports world. Uh, I had a banner weekend last weekend on my picks. Absolutely was did my thing. was 11-2, and two, uh, which puts me right now for the season at 85-35. and 35. No, I don't deal with point spreads or over and unders and things like that. Just find out who's going to win the game. So if it wasn't for my Cowboys, give it a game away. And uh, the uh, Jets, I mean, the Giants and Philly not going the way I wanted. I would have had a perfect weekend uh, pick-wise. But, oh, well, that happened. Um, as I did, I am getting ready to give you my picks for week number nine. Got a lot of sports. Want to get to my picks real quick, but got a lot of other stuff I want to talk about. Uh, Thursday night's game is Cincy versus Miami. I'm picking Cincinnati. Uh, starting Sunday at the 1 o'clock games, I've got Kansas City over Buffalo. I've got Minnesota going down to Dallas and getting spanked. I've got Tennessee going into St. Louis. St. Louis should win that one. New Orleans will go into the New York Jets and win a game. Uh, San Diego over Washington, Atlanta versus Carolina. That game is in Charlotte, so I am picking Carolina to take care of home. I still say Atlanta's having too many problems on their offensive line, and now they're all banged up at the wide receiver. Um, so I think Carolina will take care of business at home. I've got Philadelphia versus Oakland out in California. Late game, I'm definitely going to pick Oakland to win that one and take care of business. Tampa Bay versus Seattle. Seattle uh, stumbled a little bit against St. Louis on Monday night, but I think they will get themselves back together with the help of their 12th man at home. And uh, Tampa Bay is just, they're, they're struggling. And like I said earlier in an earlier episode, I believe uh, Greg Schiano might be one of the first coaches to uh, be shown the door. Uh, this might be the week it happens, but uh, uh, they're over this year, and I don't see it getting any better. Baltimore over Cleveland, even though the game is in Cleveland. Pittsburgh, New England, there was a time this would have been a great game, but Pittsburgh is struggling so mightily that I just don't see it even being competitive. Uh, New England's probably going to win that one by at least two touchdowns. And then on the late Sunday night game, you've got Indianapolis going into Houston playing the Texans, and I'm taking Andrew Luck and his boys to go into Houston and take care of business, go into H-Town and take care of business. Uh, Monday night football game is an old football rivalry. We've got Chicago going into Green Bay. Not quite the frozen tundra 
But it should be a great game, but I am picking Green Bay and Mr. Discount double-check Aaron Rodgers to win that one. So real quickly, uh, my winners and my predictions will be Cincy, KC, Dallas, St. Louis, New Orleans, San Diego, Carolina, Oakland, Seattle, Baltimore, New England, Indy, and Green Bay. Teams that got buys this week are Denver, Detroit, the Giants, Arizona, San Francisco, and Jacksonville. Rumor has it that Jacksonville's already behind versus by 12 to 0. Um, we are now entering into week number nine, which for most teams uh, will signify uh, midway point of the season. Uh, most teams have played eight games right now, and uh, there's a couple of teams that have only played seven, but uh, most of them have already played eight. And right now, uh, at midseason, your division leaders are Dallas, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, and the NFC, New England, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis in the AFC. Some of the divisions are a little bit closer than others. Some are just a joke already. Uh, New Orleans is already up two games over Carolina and four games over Atlanta. Um, unless something drastically happens to the Saints, I don't see them uh, falling off too far. Uh, Dallas in the NFC East, or NFC least, excuse me, is a game up over Philly. Uh, they're the only team that doesn't have a losing record. None of the teams have a winning record. Um, uh, and, of course, the big surprise to some people in the AFC is Kansas City with an 8-0 record. Uh, folks who have been following the show for a while, listening uh, on earlier episodes, knew that I had called, that they realized they called that Kansas City would be the most improved team in the league. Did I expect them to improve this much? I would love to say I did, but I didn't. Um, I figured they would get about 10 wins, and they've already got eight at the midway point. Uh, so don't know uh, how, that, how well that's going to build for the rest of the season. I know they got a couple of matchups against Denver coming up uh, and Oakland again, I believe. But 8-0 uh, is nothing to frown about. Um, Denver sitting at 7-1, one game behind them. You got Cincinnati 6-2 and two, uh, with a two-game lead over the, over the defending Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens. And to wind things up, you've got Indianapolis at five and two, Tennessee uh, second in that division at three and four. So your divisional leaders at this point, midway through the season: Dallas, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, and in the AFC, New England, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis. Um, since it is midway point, I've taken the liberty of selecting uh, my mid-season. Motormouth Mosley Awards, and my MVP at this point of the season right now is none other than Peyton Manning. I'm going to give it to him. Uh, I think this will be like his 23rd uh, MVP. Uh, and actually, it's probably more like his fourth or fifth. Uh, and then as for the Coach of the Year, I have, of course, Coach Andy Reid, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, now with the Kansas City Chiefs leading them with an 8-0 record, as I mentioned earlier. I would give that award to Coach Andy Reid. It seemed like uh, Big Red has been revitalized, walking around the sidelines looking like a big old pitcher of Kool-Aid. Um, looks like um, they're on their way to a, a very successful season. I wish them nothing but the best in the AFC. And then, of course, my two Rookie of the Year 
offensive and defensive. My offensive rookie of the year is quarterback Geno Smith with the New York Jets. Um, there was a lot of shakeup early in the season. There was a lot of debate on whether or not he was going to be any good. He's led them midway season to a 4-4 four and four record. I think that most, most football fans would be uh, shocked to know that they would be 4-4 four and four at the midway point with Geno Smith playing quarterback. So I give him the offensive. And then on the defensive side, after another spectacular game um, against the Atlanta Falcons this weekend, and unfortunately it's a team that you don't get to see much of because, you know, they're just not a marquee team. They're, no, they're not the Dallas Cowboys. They should happen that way. Um, I give it to the Arizona Cardinals defensive back extraordinaire, the honey badger himself, Tyron Matthews. Um, he just finds a way to make plays. He's undersized. He's not as fast as some players, but he is a football player. Uh, maybe in the steal of the draft, I think Arizona took him in the third round because of some issues he had when he was at LSU and in college. But I, uh, in my opinion, if things keep going this way at the midway point, he is my MVP. Um, Again, you're listening to the Motormouth Mosey Radio Show, just me talking sports, doing what I love to do, doing what I do best, run my motor mouth. Uh, I want to talk a little bit college football. It's kind of a, a slow weekend this weekend on the college football scene. There is one marquee game, and it is uh, marquee enough to craft just about everybody's attention. Um, you've got number five on the Motor Mouth Mosley Radio Show, top NCAA football teams. You've got number five, Miami, going into Tallahassee and playing number three, Florida State. Now, both teams are 7-0. and um, Florida State is led by redshirt freshman quarterback, famous Jameis Winston, who has an unbelievable passer rating of 207. And I understand that college ratings are a little bit more, um, how would you say, uh, inflated. Uh, but a 207 passer rating, that is pretty, that's pretty uh, bananas at any level. Uh, and in a lot of people's opinion, he may be one of the top uh, candidates for this year's Heisman. I think, uh, on a personal note, I think that he won't get that just because of a couple of options, a couple of incidents, a couple of situations that I will get to a little bit later in the show. But uh, the odd thing about this game is you're dealing with a number three and a number five team in our rankings, and both undefeated, and there is a 20, according to Vegas, and of course, like I said, I'm not into this point spreads and lines and stuff like that, but this is something that I just thought needed to be noted, is that here you are with two of the – two of the top five teams in the country. And the point spread of that game is 22. It started out as 21. Florida State is favored by 21 points, and the line has gone up to 22 points over an undefeated 7-0 Miami team. So I don't know if the the powers that be have watched Miami and they just think that they're overrated but how can you have a number three and a number five team or teams that are just you know, separated by four or five slots in some of the other polls have that much of a, of a spread 
in the predictions. Um, it's one of those rivalries in state, of course, and a lot of the players either played with uh, on teams with the, the opponent or they played against each other in high school or maybe in some cases in junior colleges. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes the records get thrown out of the window because there's more to it than just, you know, what's on paper. Um, so I honestly don't think it will be that big of a point spread if I was a gambling man, which I'm not, and I'm not giving anybody advice, but if I was a gambling man, I would probably take Miami in the points because I just don't see it being that dominant of a game uh, for Florida State. I think they said uh, since 1980 there have been two games with two undefeated uh, teams highly ranked playing one another, and this is the highest point, point spread ever. Uh, for a game of that stature. Um, uh, one of the games that needs to be noted was uh, the Ohio State-Miami game. Uh, that was for the BCS championship, I believe, in 2002, I think. Um, that one had like a 14-point point spread, and that was the game with Maurice Claret. That was the game that uh, Willis McGahey blew out his knee questionable pass interference call to end the game to give Ohio State the national championship. Don't know if it's going to be a game of that caliber, but I just don't see it being a 22-point blowout. <clears throat> Excuse me. The all-time record uh, for these two teams is 31-26. and 26. Uh, Florida State, Miami actually leads the series uh, by five games. Uh, things go as planned. It should tighten up a little bit after this. Uh, the last meeting they had was last year, and Miami won. Uh, actually, Florida State won that one, uh, twenty to thirty-three. So it was a good game. I think this one's going to be more in line with a score like that. Um, but then again, if it's a situation where one team uh, is more dominant and is taking over, is dominating the game. Um, the score actually could, you know, maybe be around that point spread. But because, unfortunately, college coaches can't afford, especially your top programs, they can't afford to pull off the dogs, to, you know, as to say. You, you, can't, you can't afford to take your foot off the pedal uh, if you're dominating a team. A prime example of that was this past weekend's game of Ohio State over Penn State. Ohio State dominated that game. I think at one point in time they were up 42 to seven or 49 to seven. Um, Urban Meyer coaching uh, a team that is in the fight for a BCS championship spot. Um, I personally have them uh, at number six, I believe, in my poll. I think they're somewhat overrated because I think they just suffer from a very weak schedule. Um, you know, they were dominating. Uh, they ended up beating Penn State 63-14 to 14 this past weekend. And there were a couple of situations where uh, have been discussed over the last couple of days. Uh, one situation was when uh, Penn State was driving. Uh, there was a pass reception. It was a little bit short of first down. Uh, the officials gave them 
a first down. Urban Meyer challenged it, even though they were up like 42 points. He challenged the ruling on the field. And some people took umbrage at that. They didn't think that that was a classy move or a necessary move at that juncture of the game. I see their point. Uh, There comes a point in time where, okay, they're beaten. Does it really matter? And, you know, the antithesis of that would be someone would say, well, it's an opportunity for us to have our other guys play some. We want to get, you know, the, the experience of playing for some of our younger players. It may come into a benefit later on. So you still continue coaching as if it is a, co- a close game. I understand that and I can respect that, but at the same time, I, I think there is a, a a little bit of class that needs to take place on the football field. And Urban Meyer uh, has a reputation of blowing people out. But in his defense, in the NCAA, with the BCS being the way it is, you have to blow out teams, especially if you're a Ohio State team whose marquee victory of the season so far was against, at that time, ranked number 16 Northwestern team, who subsequently went on to lose four straight games, and a Wisconsin team who is 5-2. and two. So they really haven't beaten anybody. They need as much positive influence. So they do need to blow people out just to get the opportunity to maybe get into the BCS championship. You can blame Urban Meyer as much as you want, but part of it goes to the system that we have in place where teams have to do everything they can to possibly have the opportunity to play in the BCS championship. You look at the rest of Ohio State's record, they've got Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, and Michigan, who Michigan is, the number, I think, a number 22, 23-ranked team in the country. They're really... I mean, and this is about as cupcake as the schedule can be. And part of the problem is the weakness that is the Big 12. I, I personally could see a one-loss team hopping Ohio State for that BCS championship game. So like it or not, agree with it or not, he did the right thing. Okay, the first down challenging, yeah, that was probably a bit much. But – You have to dominate teams as much as you can. You look at what Baylor's doing on the field, they're throwing up 60, 70 points because they know that when it comes down to crunch time and when their schedule picks up, they will need as much support as possible so the wins need to be significant just in case they stub their toe and lose one when when the, the meat of their schedule comes up. So... I feel for for, people like my friend Laura, my friend Scott, who are Ohio State alums, who love uh, the Buckeyes. But in all honesty, I I, I don't see them being able to compete against Alabama if it comes to it. We'll have another BCS championship game that will look a lot like last year's with Notre Dame playing against an overmatched – I mean, Notre Dame being overmatched Uh, against Alabama. I would much rather see a one-loss Baylor or Oregon team playing in that game versus an undefeated Ohio State team. That's just my take. That's just my opinion. Again, you listen to the Motormouth Mosley radio show. Uh, Before I leave college football, I do want to give my mid-season Heisman picks uh, if the season were to end right now. 
my selection committee would invite the following gentlemen to New York for the award ceremony, and then I will announce my winner. Based on performances, based on the criteria set in place by the Heisman uh, constituency, I would constituency. Sorry, uh, I would invite Marcus Mariota, quarterback, Oregon; Jameis Winston, quarterback, Florida State; A.J. McCarron, quarterback, Alabama; Johnny Manziel, quarterback, Texas A&M; Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback, Louisville. Those are the five gentlemen that I would invite to New York for the ceremony. Who should win? Who, if the season ended right now, should win? I'd probably go Marcus Mariota for leading the Oregon Quack Quacks the way he has, being a dominant player with unbelievable stats. Um, do I think he will win? No. Um, Johnny Manziel still one of the most, if not the most exciting player in college football. You ask who you want to, if you ask football fans who they want to see play, you want to see this kid play because he does things that are unconventional, that are exciting, that, that make people stand up. Will he win the Heisman two times and join Archie Griffin as the only two-time winner? Absolutely not. His off-the-field antics, uh, the negative uh, media coverage against him, uh, and his mouth will all keep him from winning the Heisman. Teddy Bridgewater, Louisville, good team, overrated, cupcake schedule, no. Great football player, will probably be the first player drafted in the NFL draft, if not the first quarterback definitely drafted. Um, so that leaves me with A.J. McCarron would be the Heisman winner, just for leading Roll Tide, Alabama, to probably the third straight national championship, I believe his fourth, because uh, I think he got one as a red shirt. So uh, my midseason Heisman Award winner would be A.J. McCarron, McCarron, quarterback, Alabama. Honorable mention goes out to Braxton Miller, quarterback, and uh, Jadavion Clowney, defensive lineman, who will be the first pick in the NFL draft more than likely. Um, out of South Carolina. Uh, they would get my honorable mentions, but uh, don't get an invite. Don't get a free weekend in New York. Uh, NBA season opened up tonight, as I said. Only a short few uh, games on schedule for this evening. Uh, already concluded, you had Miami knocking off Chicago, 107.95. That game was nowhere near as close as that score sounds. Uh, Chicago had a late run late. Uh, to make it look presentable, but at most of the game they were down by 15, 20, 25 points. Uh, the return of Jalen Rose, not Jalen Rose, Derrick Rose, uh, to the Chicago lineup was a welcome for Bulls fans, but uh, they were no real competition to a very balanced attack uh, by the Miami Heat. Uh, games that also have ended, uh, you had the Indianapolis Pacers knocking off the Orlando Magic, uh, 97-87, and currently going on and being televised on in the ESPN. You have the Los Angeles Clippers, 35, the Los Angeles Kobe-less Lakers, 35. Uh, that's with 8.51 left in the second quarter. As I said, Kobe Bryant is out, still suffering from an injury. 
uh, won't be back for a few weeks. I believe it was Thorne Achilles. Uh, won't be back probably for a few weeks, but he is making good progress. Um, and then tomorrow night we go back to baseball. We've got uh, game number five of the World Series in Major League Baseball. Boston Red Sox lead the series three games to one. If I had, if you had to pick your MVP of the series at this point in time, you'd have to give it to David Ortiz. Uh, he's played DH and he's also played some first base for the Red Sox. He's batting like 600. Uh, he's in a zone that we haven't seen since Barry Bonds' uh, uh, highlight career year. Um, we'll see what's going to happen on the game tomorrow night. Maybe uh, actually it's three games of two, so it'll be game six. Uh, maybe we can uh, get St. Louis to pull one out and have a, a seven-game series. I know that Major League Baseball would love that, and I know that Fox Sports would love that. That gives them an extra game to sell from advertising. Uh, but I actually see an ending. I just seriously think that Boston is playing better ball and. Uh, even when they were down in games, they found ways to come back. And I think that the Beards just have it. I think it's a Duck Dynasty, uh, a ZZ Top bearded party going on that uh, people who can't grow decent beards uh, are missing out on. Um, so that's my pick. Uh, if they don't knock it off in game six, I still say they'll win it in game seven. So I think the Boston Red Sox will be this year's World Series winner. And finally, uh, the announcements for Golden Gloves in Major League Baseball was announced, and two players that are competing in the World Series uh, were recipients of, golden, of Gold Gloves. Uh, for you people who aren't baseball fans, Gold Gloves are for uh, uh, they're awarded at each position on the baseball field, defensive position, and each position has one guy who wins the gold glove as the best defensive player at that position. And Yadier Molina, catcher for the Cardinals, as expected, won uh, the gold glove uh, for catchers in the National League. And Shane Victorino, as an outfielder, the pride of Hawaii, knocked off uh, one another gold glove. So congratulations uh, to brother Shane Victorino for winning uh, another gold glove. Folks, you've been listening to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. This is your man, Motormouth Mosley, doing my thing from the Man Cave in Redan, Georgia. Had a great time talking sports with you. Had a great time chatting. Uh, thank you, folks, who I can see on the uh, chat forum room that were listening in. Uh, I tried to respond as much as I could via uh, the chat box. And, um, again, we'll be back on the air Thursday night. Uh, might have my man Chef Kippy back on and talk a little culinary magic doing his cooking thing. Uh, but uh, if my prediction's right, I think that the Major League Baseball series season will be over with. Go Sox, and we'll be looking forward to a great week of weekend of football, college, high school, and NFL. One quick shout out to the Mililani Trojans in Mililani, Hawaii, knocking off Kahuku, perennial power in high school football in Hawaii. Wish you nothing but the best, Trojans. Most of those kids are parents, or kids of uh, Lelahua Mule parents. 
So uh, we take some ownership of their successful season. And, of course, Coach Rod York, head football coach of the Milani Trojans, uh, graduate of the Iolani High School, former player when I coached at Iolani. Wish you nothing but the best this season. Uh, Have a great weekend, folks. Have a great rest of the week. May God bless you and yours. Be kind to one another. Love on each other. And have a great weekend. Thank you so very much for listening in. And I will be chatting back at you in a couple of days. Aloha.